Live from the betting capital of the world. Vegas, baby, Vegas! It's Wager Talk with Teddy Covers and Ralph Michaels. Welcome to Wager Talk on the Sports Grid TV Network. Welcome to Zumo Viewers, Channel 719. Welcome to all you listening on the iHeartRadio Network. I'm Teddy Covers, and so help me. There are some guys that can do a show for an hour, two hours by themselves. Morenzi, who's right here on this network. You can say the guy can do it on radio for, uh, for hours by himself. Not me. I need Ralph Michaels. Ralph at CalSportsLV on Twitter. I'm at Teddy underscore covers on Twitter. Ralph, I need you, buddy. So glad you were able to join us. I know we had some audio difficulties right before we came on the show. Yeah, well, ask me technical questions. I have no idea. Mike plugged in. Should work. Not sure why not. So all good now. <laughs> good to have you, my friend. And let's get right into it. B, 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 B. Bad beats, bad bets, bad for the books. Talk about the hot topics going on from last night through to today. And it starts with Major League Baseball. During football season, we don't spend as much time on MLB on the show. It's a football-centric show. It'll be a basketball-centric show during basketball season. But MLB is certainly on the plate on a daily basis, and we're certainly going to talk about it when big things happen, like something that happened last night that doesn't happen very often, Ralph. Every game in the National League, there was seven of them. They were all decided by one, six of them, I'm sorry. They were all decided by one run, exactly, which means if you bet a run line on a favorite in the National League, you crashed and burned last night. Not one of them covered. Minus one and a half. What do you think of that? Well, let, let's go over money line and run line real quick for those new bettors. If you're betting on a game to win, you're laying a higher price. The run line is you're laying one and a half runs and you're saving 60 cents to a dollar, depending if the team is home or away, and you have to win by two. Well, last night, home dogs went six and four, and home dogs on the run line went seven and three. Uh, I think. That's going to hurt. <laughs> yeah, it certainly does for betters. I mean, I personally get involved with a fair, fair few run lines. Um, on a when I'm, I'd much rather lay one and a half runs at a cheaper price than lay minus two dollars, minus two fifty, minus three dollars, like you have to do with favorites, especially at this time of the year. So when I'm involved in baseball with the chalk in September, I'm playing these run lines with my favorites. Last night, not a good night to do that in the National League. But you talk about it, 60 cents to a dollar, how much the run line is worth when you're laying one and a half in an MLB or how much the markets move uh, on that uh, just to win versus you have to win by two. Uh, the markets move a fair bit on that, Ralph. And I find that it protects you a lot more when you lose playing the run line, even though you do lose sometimes where you would have cashed your money line ticket when they win by just a single run. It does happen about between 80 and 85% of the time that the favorite, that the team that wins, wins by more than one. But not only did all the run lines crash and burn last night, all the steam moves pretty much crashed and burned as well. There was big steam on the Braves. They lost to the Phillies. There was big steam on the Cardinals. They lost to the Rockies. There was big steam on the Pirates. They lost to Johnny Cueto and the Giants. Uh, and the Astros, too, took a fair bit of money yesterday. Oakland, too, pulled off the upset in Houston. So big day for big dogs and a good day for the sportsbooks, no question. 
betters got their clocks clean on a lot of these games in Major League Baseball last night. Yeah, the Pirates are the biggest surprise to me. You normally don't have a team that is 20 games under 500 and a road dog without a stud pitching and get steamed like they did. Uh, that one's a head scratcher. The others, again, you're looking at teams that are in must-win situations. And while the Astros aren't in a must-win, they're tied at at 90 wins with the Yankees for that number one seed in the, in the uh, MLB AL division. Yeah, race. <laughs> yeah, we all have those Thanks. moments, bro. It's like, what are they? They're in a division. They're in an AL race. They're a, li- they're a league, they're aren't right, they? Right. It's, it's the good. American League and the National League. Is that what it is? Sure, sure. Something like that. The one that shocked me last night was Colorado. I mean, Colorado has played lifeless baseball for the better part of the last month. They were, what, 2-16 and 16 going to that game. The games at scores, the Rockies scored two runs, and it was enough. <laughs> Unfortunately, it took my money. I wasn't real pleased with that result. The Dodgers clinched the NL West last night with the win at Baltimore. That's $3 chalk. Here's the question. Once a team like the Dodgers clinch, do they become fade material the rest of the way? What's your database show? And what's your personal feeling on some of these MLB teams after they've clinched their playoff spot and or the division spot? And now, sure, you're still playing for home field, whatever it is, a big race in the AL. In the NL, the race isn't that close. Do we fade the Dodgers? The Dodgers are going to be a 600 winning percentage team the rest of the way in September. Or is this a squad maybe better should look to go against in the weeks to come? Well, we've seen the Dodgers already do some things where uh, they sent Rue to the bullpen to miss one start to rest, bring up Maeda. You know, I think the Dodgers are just in in relaxing mode. You don't want to go on a losing streak, but you're certainly going to rest your pitchers. You're going to rest your starters. And I think there's going to be spots to play against them. I could not find anything that said fade teams that have 650 win percentages in September. Uh, I was surprised just running numbers. Favorites in September won a higher percent than favorites did the rest of the season, just by just by a tenth of a percentage point. But that shocked me. I thought they would be under or win fewer games in September because of some teams resting players. And one more big piece of MLB news from the past 24 hours, and that's the Brewers just lost their MVP. Heck, he might have been the NL MVP. Christian Yelich breaks his kneecap. Is that the end of Milwaukee? Or do the Brewers still have something in the tank? 30 seconds or less, Ralph. What do you got? I think that's the end of Milwaukee. I, I thought they weren't going to get there anyway. Uh, but you know, Teddy, being out here in Vegas, there's a lot of action on that home run champ. Yelich out of the way now leaves the door open for the other contenders. Sure. Alonzo Bellinger, excited to see that. And anyone with a ticket on either one of those guys to win the NL home run title would be very excited to see Yelich breaking his kneecap. It is not good news for Milwaukee. Look, we just went through the whole opening segment and we didn't talk about Antonio Brown. It's incredible. It's also possible right here on Wager Talk. Line movers coming up next. Don't miss one minute. Right. Here. 
Hey, thanks for downloading the podcast. And remember, if you want to listen live, download the iHeartRadio app, download the TuneIn app, and just search for Fantasy Sports Radio Network, and you can listen to this program live. Also, if you want to watch the video of this podcast, check us out on YouTube, on Twitch, or on Periscope, and type in, you guessed it, Fantasy Sports Network. You'll find us there. Enjoy the show, and thanks for listening. Welcome back to Wager Talk. Teddy Covers and Ralph Michaels breaking down the world of sports betting for you on a Wednesday. It's high noon in Vegas, and that means it's time for line movers. Ralph, let's talk about where the money's going and, most importantly, why it's moving in that direction. And let's start in the NFL. We've seen a fair bit of wise guy money now on the Detroit Lions. L.A. Chargers were three-point road favorites. Not anymore. This has moved off the key number of three, down to two and a half. Betting markets liking Detroit, despite their fourth quarter slash overtime meltdown in Arizona last Sunday. Teddy, quickly, let's put this in perspective. Moving a line off three to two and a half is probably what? The same as moving four and a half to five and a half or four and a half to six? It takes that much money oh, yeah. to move a game off three. So, you know, for, for all our new viewers, it's a big deal to move an NFL game off three this late in the week. But uh, it's a move I agree with. Uh, I, you know, the Chargers have their issues. couple main cogs on both sides of the ball out. And I think Detroit's got the D-line like we talked about last night to keep this game close. I agree with the move there. Yeah, and of course, the Chargers offense looked great last week. Their defense got gashed start to finish. The Lions' defense dominated three quarters and then got gassed in the fourth and OT. But the betting market's looking at the defensive disparity between these two squads in week one. That's why the money's coming for Detroit. The wise guys clearly on the Lions. So this is a fairly unique situation. We have the team that's the best in the NFL, the New England Patriots, clearly. And we have the team that's the worst in the NFL, the Miami Dolphins. Again, clearly. And not only are they the respective best and worst teams in the NFL, with the acquisition of Antonio Brown, the Patriots are now a field goal better than anybody in the league. And the Dolphins, after their no-show in week one, they're a field goal worse than anybody in the league. The markets have gone nuts on this game. I can't recall one like it. 18 and a half, 19. I'm seeing 20s out there now for New England. And they're on the road in Miami where they've struggled forever. What do you think? Are the betting markets going to get anybody to bet the Dolphins this week? They're trying. Quiz for you, Teddy. My data base goes back 31 years. 1989. How many away favorites of 17 points or more have there been in 31 years in the NFL? I'm going to answer one, and I'm going to tell you what team it was. It was the Patriots when they were undefeated. But I don't know if there's any... uh, Two. 1992, the Bills laid 17 uh, to the Colts, and the Patriots laid 20 to the Ravens. So... Historic, only third time in 31 years in the NFL. But again, uh, I'm not going to bet on Miami. (laughs) Exactly. And of course, betters remember what happened the last time the Patriots went to Miami. That was the game that Miami stole on a Hail Mary at the end when Gronk couldn't get 
quite up to get the pass when they had him in in the prevent defense on the final play. Uh, so New England lost that game straight up against the Dolphins last time they visited. Better's not expecting that to happen this time around. We've seen a change of favorites in Cincinnati. The betting markets didn't like San Francisco week one, and they don't like San Francisco week two. The Bengals open dogs. Now they're chalk. Since he won the box score against Seattle, wise guys and early week betters expecting Cincy to win the actual score this week because it doesn't matter if you win the box score. It only matters what the final score is. Betters like Cincy. You know why? Well, again, color me impressed with the Bengals allowing 12 first downs to Russell Wilson at home. Yeah, Russell Wilson may not be Breeze or Brady, but uh, still a decent quarterback. 233 yards, 12 first downs. That's what the Bengals allowed. And let's not forget something I've tweeted out several times. NFL teams that start on the road week one and are also on the road week two have gone one and 14 against the spread. Very difficult. Week four preseason, you're not doing anything. You're away from home week one. You're traveling. You're not in your normal routines. Practicing at home, one in 14 against the spread, back to backs, weeks one and two in the NFL. That's certainly an ugly looking sample right there for 49ers backers. All that being said, it is worth noting that San Fran spent the week or is spending the week in Youngstown, Ohio. They are not trying to fly back to the West Coast and then fly back east again and adjust on their body clocks. Whereas you know, we look at Cincy. Heck, they played on the West Coast last week. So uh, they may have more body clock adjustments than San Francisco does. We're seeing no respect for the Broncos. And if you watched them Monday night, you can understand why. Although it's not like the Bears looked great last Thursday night either. Both teams look bad on national TV. But the one we just saw was Denver looking bad. Bears money pouring in at Invesco in Mile High. Yeah, and we saw the Bears offense not look look good either in week one against Green Bay. But again, you're talking a different scenario here. Uh, there's only a handful of times in an NFL season where you get a team playing a Thursday game facing a team on a Monday game. You can't have a bigger rest disparity without a buy-no-buy situation. So I think the situation of being in Denver is negated by the Bears playing on Thursday. I think the Bears off the loss, clearly the better team. Uh, I agree with the line move. I'm on the Bears. And, of course, it's not in Besco anymore. It's it's Broncos Stadium uh, these days. I was trying to, you know, (laughs) we're going to have brain farts. It's inevitable. Speaking of brain farts, Les Miles went to Kansas and took the Kansas job. Uh, Didn't look pretty in week one. Didn't look pretty in week two. And the markets are fading Kansas. They travel to Boston College Friday night TV game. The Eagles now up to minus 21 against the Les Mileses. Well, when you're Kansas and you're Les Miles and you're taking off a program that was the worst Power 5 program, you still only have 10 starters coming back. Those are 10 starters that weren't, weren't very good. You didn't impress me week one against Indiana State, only winning by seven. You certainly didn't impress me putting up 280 yards and only 17 first downs against Coastal Carolina. Again, a situation where I might not like Boston College as a as a three-score away favorite, but I can't back Kansas. Yeah, although this game is in Chestnut Hill. It's not going to be uh, in Lawrence, but oh, it's me. certainly yes. worth noting for BC, 
when you're talking about some of these very bad teams in college football, like the Kansas Jayhawks, their opponent's just trying to run out the clock, and Boston College is going to hand the ball off 50 times in that game, maybe more. But when they're trying to run out the clock, it's very capable. They're very capable of breaking off uh, big plays. So sometimes you say, oh, there's no explosiveness, there's no explosiveness. Well, the back half of the game against the tired defense, sometimes you get those big explosive runs that help a team like BC cover a big number like minus 21. I, too, want no part of the Kansas Jayhawks right now. We're seeing Mike Leach taking money. Wazoo has looked very good over the first two games of the season. Of course, they played two lightweights at home. Now they got to travel to Houston. The markets say, watch out for Mike Leach and company. doesn't matter that Mustache Man is gone. Washington State now up to minus nine on the road at Houston. Homecoming for Mike Leach going back to the Texas area. Well, you know, uh, I do. There's one offense that concerns me less than any other offense, and that's the air raid offense on the road. It's dink and dunk. It's your receivers and quarterbacks being on the same page. You don't have a pass rush to worry about. You rarely get sacked because you're getting rid of the ball so much. So those are certainly edges to uh, Washington State. I'm a little surprised Washington State's defense. You know, in my mind, they had six starters back, and allowing 317 yards to New Mexico State wasn't impressive. Allowing 355 yards to Northern Colorado really made me look a, a little deeper at that defense. Uh, I'm going to look at an overgame here. Yeah, no surprise here if Houston can trade points with the Cougars all night long. And that game reminds me a lot of this one, Ralph, real quick. Just like Washington State's looked great at home over the first two weeks of the season, Maryland's looked great at home over the first two weeks of the season. But now they got to go on the road and face a real team, Maryland, minus seven and a half now at Temple. Real quick, what do you got, Ralph? Well, one thing, it's not really that much of a road game. They're excited to play in Lincoln Stadium where the Phillies play, excuse me, where the Eagles play, and you're going to have a huge crowd there. So I think Maryland's going to be well-supported. Exactly. Not a true home game for Temple, hence at least some of the Maryland money. Although we know teams that look great at home the first couple of weeks against lightweights don't always take that on the road when they step up in class the next week. We'll be right back on Wager Talk. From the NFL to the NBA, DailyRoto.com is the place to win millions in daily fantasy. You can get the best DFS NFL coverage all season long for a price of $129.99 or dominate the entire daily fantasy sports realm with the Elite Package at $59.99 per month. If you use the promo code FNTSY, you get 10% off your Daily Roto Package. Go to DailyRoto.com, pick your NFL or Elite Package, enter promo code FNTSY, and you'll be on your way to becoming the next Daily Roto Millionaire. Risk-free wagers up to $1,000. Go to pointsbet.com slash grid and open up a PointsBet sports wagering account. Enter the promo code GRID, that's G-R-I-D, GRID, and you'll get two risk-free bets up to $1,000. With PointsBet's unique wagering option, NFL Week 1 included a $600,000 max win after a better placed a $30,000 points bet wager on Baltimore at minus six. That better also set a maximum win-loss of 20 times the bet. Thanks to the route from the Ravens, the wager resulted in a maximum win for the better, in which they took home a $600,000 profit. 
that was both the largest points bet points betting wager and the largest win in the U.S. thus far, and it came just last week. So open up your account today. That's pointsbet.com/grid. Enter promo code GRID and get your two risk-free bets up to one thousand dollars today. Gambling problem? Call one eight hundred Gambler. Twenty one and over. New Jersey only. Eligibility restrictions apply. See website for details. Ralph, it's time to talk NFL. No question about it. It's Wednesday. The lines are bouncing. We've had time to analyze some stuff. Let's get into it. And I know you're going to throw to me, but let me start by throwing to you. The Buffalo Bills. Minus two. You're seeing some one and a halfs out there, but let's call it minus two. Total of 43 against the New York football giants. And look, Saquon Barkley had 120 yards rushing on 11 carries last week at Dallas. The Giants offense was able to move the football. Eli Manning looked decent, but the Giants defense got torched, absolutely torched. Five straight touchdown drives for Dallas. Boom, and it was 7, 14, 21, 28, 35, then it's ball game. And Dallas kind of called off uh, the horses a little bit. But defensively, the Giants looked god-awful from start to finish. Buffalo offensively looked pretty god-awful, too. They turned the ball over four times in the first half against the Jets. But despite those four turnovers, they went into the break only down 6 to nothing. Their defense was the best unit on the field. And when all was said and done, fourth quarter, the final two drives for the Bills go field goal, touchdown, touchdown. They stole one against the Jets. The markets think they can steal another one here against the Giants, returning back to MetLife Stadium for the second week in a row. Buffalo and New York, what's your take on the Bills and the Giants? Fourteen back-to-back road. I mean, since MetLife's been built, only one other team has had back-to-back road games at MetLife. Miami will later this year. So you have familiarity. It's a short trip from Buffalo to New York. So again, that same road trip dynamics doesn't hold true. I love this Buffalo defense. They are my top defense in the league. With that said, I don't think they'll have the best numbers because they don't have the running game to slow the clock with Singletary or Gore. Josh Allen turns the ball over still too often for me to be uh, for for me to be a full time Buffalo Bills backer. But again, this defense is legit. The offense will get enough done. Josh Allen will continue to prove. I like the Bills this week. All right, lead on, you know, Teddy. Well, you know, now let's talk about the teams that look the best and the worst in the NFL. The Baltimore Ravens looked as good as any team. The Arizona Cardinals, the first half, looked as poor as any team. You know, we often talk in college football about freshmen making first road starts. Well, uh, it's going to be a pretty tough scenario for... Uh, for Murray to make his first road start for the Cardinals in Baltimore. The Ravens, a 13-and-a-half-point favorite, a total of 46-and-a-half. What do you like in this game? See, it's it's a very difficult game for me. to. I'm, I'm, I doubt I'm going to make a wager on this game. I haven't yet, and if I haven't yet, I'm probably not going to, certainly not before kickoff. I have a, maybe a little lean towards the over, but – And it wasn't just a half for Arizona. For three quarters, Arizona had, what, 70 yards of total offense. Uh, Murray had 70 passing yards, I think it was, after three. They look 
completely inept. They looked like Miami for the first three quarters of the game. The difference, of course, is that the Dolphins played a Ravens team that kept their foot on the gas, and Arizona played a Detroit team that didn't keep their foot on the gas. And that was why the Cardinals were still in the game in the fourth quarter with a chance to come back. It was because Detroit played differently than Baltimore did. But now it's Baltimore, <laughs> lo and behold. And you have a rookie quarterback going on the road against a nasty, a nasty blitzing defense that's going to give him all kinds of coverages that he's not familiar with, all kinds of look that he's not familiar with. And I do expect mistakes from Kyler Murray and a bad Arizona offensive line. That said, Cliff Kingsbury made it very clear last week. He said, I called the worst game I've ever called for three quarters. And I expect more success early from Arizona. So in some dinks and dunks. And I'll tell you what, of all the takeaways from last week, of all of them, of all the week one overreactions, yeah, Baltimore might be decent. Okay, Lamar Jackson might be decent. But last week was Miami bad, as every bit as much as Baltimore good. And this point spread here is a good notch or two overvalued, in my opinion, on uh, the Ravens right now. So if I had to play, I want to take Arizona, but I don't want Arizona in this matchup. I really don't. Uh, slightly lean towards the over, not one that I, again, expect to get to the betting window with. Yeah, let's remember Arizona was historic bad last year, getting outgained by 117 yards per game. And just a reminder, Cliff Kingsbury had a losing record in Big 12 football, yet got an NFL job. The schedule makers did the Washington Redskins no favors. First five games, Division Philadelphia, Division Dallas, Division Giants in week four, and then the Bears and the Patriots. Uh, just a brutal start to the season. We saw Washington jump out to a big lead. We saw Washington get the backdoor cover. We saw the Dallas Cowboys control the game for the most part uh, with an offense that looked great. Cowboys now a five-point road favorite, a total 46 and a half. Visiting the Skins. Tell us, Dallas yeah, and Washington. I mean, I'll give the Redskins a lot of credit for what they did coming out of the gate. I didn't think they'd be able to do what they did. They punched Philly right in the mouth. Case Keenum was throwing the football around. We have uh, 380 passing yards uh, last week. I mean, it was impressive for the Redskins. And worth noting, in point spread ranges like this one, the game was out of reach in the fourth quarter. Some teams will fight for that last touchdown. Some teams won't. And Washington marched down the field into the end zone with, what, six seconds left or 12 seconds left, whatever it was, uh, to score that all-important touchdown to get the money. When you're backing a dog, you want the team that cares down two scores with two minutes left. And the Redskins did that last week. All that being said, look, after Philly woke up, it was a 17-0 early. After that, it was 32-3 Philadelphia. They did whatever they wanted. <laughs> you know, offensively, defensively, Redskins could not run the football. And I look at what Dallas did last week as something that's very, very real. I don't think that was fraudulent at all by the Cowboys. When you get touchdowns on five straight drives in week one, you're ready. Cowboys defense is loaded. Their offense is loaded. For me, it's Dallas or pass in this matchup. I want no part of the skins early in the season, especially as Jay Gruden becomes more and more of a lame duck head coach. It does not look like he's going to be back in D.C. next year. His seat as hot as any in the NFL are right now among head coaches. 
there's no question I know who you're going to like in this next game because Gardner Minshew has a stash. And for those that don't know, Teddy picks just people that have a mustache, and he likes those people. Uh, but we'll see what he does here <laughs> in this game. Obviously, Foles injured. Minshew now going to be the replacement. You can look at Minshew's numbers and say, oh, my God, he was 22 of 25. That was in a game they were down big. That was in a defense that have never seen him. Getting tape on a quarterback in this situation. I can say this. Gardner Minshew played as much as any quarterback in the preseason just because they wanted to see what they can get out of them. That's going to be a benefit here. Is it a big enough benefit to give you any interest on the Jags getting eight and a half or a total of 43 and a half against the Houston Texans off one of the most exciting games that we'll probably see this year? I mean, if I had to play the game, I could only take Jacksonville plus, uh, but I don't have to play the game and I probably won't. Uh, I do not trust Gardner Minshew in his first road start. Uh, and much of what he did last week, again, was the benefit of coming off the bench, getting hot, facing a defense with a lead. Look, the Chiefs defense, they're going to give up yards. They're going to give up points. And they're willing to make that trade-off for time because that Kansas City offense scores as quickly as it does and is as potent as it is. I take some of the, their defensive numbers with a grain of salt. The markets don't, but I do. Uh, because that's the way Reed chooses to play it. But when we're talking about Gardner Minshew now against a real defense that's preparing for him, that has film on him, as a rookie quarterback, not like he's the number one overall pick. You know, Minshew was down the line in the NFL, <laughs> and deservedly so. He has a mustache. That is true. And, you know, we like the guys with the mustache. But we're not going to make any bets because the guy has a mustache. Don't love the spot for Houston. They are off a loss. They are explosive offensively, but it's certainly an issue for the Texans on the short week laying this type of a price. Not something I'm going to do. Coaches and players get excited to play on Sunday night football. Their, uh, their peers are watching and the world is watching. The Steelers not so excited to be on Sunday night football this past week. Uh, kicking a field goal. They, they scored three points against New England, but now they're coming home. We talked about Seattle again and, and their struggles against Cincinnati. In under a minute, take us home, Teddy, with Pittsburgh and Seattle. Steelers four, a total of 46 and a half. Pittsburgh's going to take money because uh, people think that, oh, now they're back home. They're not facing the Patriots anymore. Pittsburgh is the it team this week. Seattle's box score looked bad against Cincinnati, outgained by almost 200 yards. The markets hate that. Personally, I'll take Russell Wilson plus points. In general, that tends to be a good bet. It has been in every recent season. We'll be right back here on Week. Hey, thanks for downloading the podcast. And remember, if you want to listen live, download the iHeartRadio app, download the TuneIn app, and just search for Fantasy Sports Radio Network, and you can listen to this program live. Also, if you want to watch the video of this podcast, check us out on YouTube, on Twitch, or on Periscope, and type in, you guessed it, Fantasy Sports Network. You'll find us there. Enjoy the show, and thanks for listening. Make sure that you are following not just myself at Teddy underscore covers, not just Ralph at Cal Sports LV. Make sure you're following Sports Grid on Twitter at Sports Grid. Make sure you download that Sports Grid app where you can get all of this valuable content available 
on demand at your convenience. So download the app, follow at SportsGrid on Twitter, and let's get right into it, Ralph, because it's college football time here on Wager Talk. And let's talk some of the big marquee TV matchups this weekend. Mississippi State, Tommy Stevens, their starting quarterback, he's hurt. The markets don't care. Bulldogs dominated Kansas State last year. They're minus seven and a half, even seeing eights popping up right now. 52 and a half against the Kansas State Wildcats. That looked pretty good in Cleman's debut. Uh, well, it wasn't his debut as head coach last week, but his debut against the Division I opponent looked good last week as Kansas State uh, off back-to-back blowout wins at home. Uh, I think I could count how many times a K-State offense has been in the top 12 in the NCAA rankings in both scoring and yardage after two games, probably on one finger with Bill Snyder. Uh, They put up 573 and 521 yards, but against nobodies. So who really knows what to expect? I don't. I'm not going to gamble on that. I'm surprised at this line move. Tommy Stevens went out there. Running back went out last week against Southern Miss. We don't know what's going to happen with him. Neither has been listed as out or able to play yet. To me, it's a gray area. I I just am not going to touch the game either side because of those injuries. Yeah, I was reading local papers this morning uh, on this game, and the reports were that Hill was supposed to play at running back. At quarterback, it doesn't look like Stevens is going to go, but Stevens wasn't. It was like a two-headed monster in camp, and reports that Joe Moorhead's going to have three QBs suited up and ready to go, and that he may be putting guys in and out based on how hot they are and forcing Kansas State to try to figure out or to devise a game plan for all three of those QBs. So what's the drop-off from Stevens? Not very much. And the markets are basically saying there's no drop-off at all, despite the fact that Mississippi State doesn't have their starting quarterback. This line looked very short at the open. Colorado was, what, three, three and a half against Air Force. Now it's up to four and a half. Fives are starting to pop up. Total. 58 and a half. Can the Buffs come back to earth off of that incredible rally and overtime win over Nebraska last week? Or is this a spot where they're running into a dangerous underdog that plays a style of football that Colorado might not be suited to defend? Well, Colorado's D.C. did come from Georgia Southern, so he does have experience with the option. But again, you talk about playing a rival in Bronco Stadium week one in Colorado State, playing an old rival that the game had a lot of passion last week. Yes, there were a lot of Nebraska fans, but that was a thriller in overtime. And then having that short week to prep for the option. Oh, yeah, and by the way, next week, you have your conference road opener at Arizona State. I think is the absolute worst spot Colorado can be in schedule-wise. And, oh, yeah, by the way, you're playing the option, which defensive linemen don't like getting cut blocked. It's tough to keep your composure with a very young defense like they have. Uh, I expect this game to be down to the wire. And, of course, Air Force coming off a bye while Colorado played a physical, intense overtime game last week. The market's not sleeping on that, but the power ratings, Clearly showing that, yeah, uh, there's Colorado support. Just got me. My number on this game was nine and a half based on pure powering numbers. I wouldn't be surprised at all if we continue to see Buffalo money because of that power rating disparity between these two squads, even though the spot is miserable for the home favorite. 
I don't know if this spot's miserable for the home favorite. Central Florida, they're a blowout team. They've been smacking squads pretty consistently. <laughs> and they get a chance to take on Stanford. Stanford making the trip all the way across the country to the heat and humidity of Florida. They've got quarterback issues. They've got offensive line issues. And UCF. UCF laying seven and a half to Stanford. Is that too high? Total 61 and a half. One thing I know about the Knights is that if they get a chance to kick Stanford while they're down, they will. That's why they've been such a good favorite in recent years. They don't stop once they start rolling. Well, you know, last week USC laid it on Stanford, and it was no surprise to me. Stanford is a team that I have way down. They opened up in the AP top 25. I had them as about the 45th best team. They were a team last year with nine or 10 wins that got outgained on the season. Costello most likely is back, but he's not the biggest loss. Walker Little, their left tackle, is a top 10 pick in this year's NFL draft. He's the reason they had to change three offensive line spots and they'll have to do so again. I think I think the Stanford team is in a horrible spot. Back-to-back road games, the heat and humidity of UCF. I have this game power rated at 17. It is my biggest difference the first three weeks of the season. I am a UCF Knights fan. They are embracing a power five team visiting Orlando. I think they take it to them. So make that very clear, Ralph. You're a UCF fan this week. (laughs) We're not fans. Are you a fan of any team? You're not a fan guy, are you? you, Don't tell me you're a Buckeye fan, please. I am a Buckeye fan, and I'm a Browns fan. You know, born and raised in Cleveland, you had very little to hold on to in life. So I will say it doesn't stop me from betting against the Buckeyes. But if I have no action in the game, I am a Buckeyes and a Browns fan. And it's funny because even even now, you know, I mean, I I, I went to Michigan. I'm a Michigan graduate. Uh, had issues with Michigan uh, and their decision to take down certain Fab Five banners that meant something to me. Uh, but I could care less when Michigan plays if I'm not betting on them. I got no uh, love for my alma mater. People have love for their alma mater at these two schools, USC and BYU. Now I'm going to ask you this. The Stanford's defense looked great week one against Northwestern. They looked terrible against USC last week. Is that the Trojans? Is this Slovis kid really good? USC minus four and a half, 55 and a half against BYU. USC's fourth string quarterback lit up Stanford last week. Well, he impressed me. I watched that game, listened to what the announcer said, and followed up by doing more reading. This kid is the legitimate deal. He actually battled to be part of this, and he was a legitimate shot to go with JT Daniels and Sears, who transferred out. Uh, Keaton Slovis is a kid who played three years in a, in a nondescript high school, went to Kurt Warner's quarterback guru high school his senior year. Kurt Warner called him the, one of the best quarterbacks he's ever seen. He was only a three-star recruit, but watching him throw the ball, I think if JT Daniels was coming back in a few weeks, Slovis proved that he could beat him. I love the spot. BYU off the Tennessee game. Yes, it was emotional. You saw Sataki after the game, almost in tears. The funny thing is, when you're looking at college football, a couple weeks ago, we would have said, oh, my God, USC is between Stanford and Utah. This BYU game is is the one that favors BYU scheduling-wise. Now, with USC handling Stanford last week and BYU off the upset win, the scheduling spot, to me, actually favors USC. 
that's a, it's such a key point there because before the season, you and I do the same things. You know, we'll go through every team schedule and I'm circling games. Yeah, this is a problem spot. This is a problem spot. So you don't forget it as the insanity of football season heats up. When that changes, you don't always go back to your notes and say, oh, well, that's a, <laughs> no, no, it's still a problem spot. You're absolutely right. Where all of a sudden it's a very different deal for USC than it is for BYU than it looked on paper even a few weeks ago. All that being said, I do not trust this QB in this environment against a BYU defense. Let's be real. Their offense hasn't done much uh, with the exception of one <laughs> bomb with 15 seconds on the clock that Tennessee should never have given up. But their defense has been rock solid against Utah and Tennessee the first few games. Wouldn't be surprised if this is a relatively low-scoring affair. I don't want the young QB making his first road start off an exhilarating win last week. Under is the one that makes sense to me in that one. Northwestern's in a very unique point spread situation this week. We don't often see the Wildcats laying 18.5, but they are. Minus 18 and a half, total of 54 against a UNLV running Rebel squad that got run out of the gym against Arkansas State last week. UNLV non-competitive in defeat. They've been decent in some of these big road dog spots against Power 5 conference schools at times. Can they hang around with a Northwestern team that might not be fully focused on the task at hand? They're not interested in UNLV, are they? Well, again, this is a Vegas-based show, right? So we follow UNLV pretty closely. Number one, UNLV got off to a great performance, but it was against one of the worst teams in the FCS, Southern Utah. People tend to forget that. There was hope here. Heck, UNLV went off as the favorite against Arkansas State last week. But... We saw them struggle. 300 yards. Armani Rogers is under 50% two games in. Armani Rogers was sacked six times last week. Not that big of a concern, but getting sacked six times against Arkansas is concern number one. Getting sacked four times with a three-man rush was head-scratching. I don't know how that happens with a mobile quarterback. The only thing keeping them in this game is Pat Fitzgerald is a Coach that doesn't like to run up the score. Northwestern was 0-4 as a home favorite last week. Northwestern has Michigan State on deck, so if they have something they want to show on offense, they're going to keep it to next week. But, heck, they didn't have anything to show against Stanford. Of course, T.J. Green got knocked out. We saw the five-star recruit Hunter Johnson come in and look horrible game one. That, of course, on the road against Stanford. I think another low-scoring game here. And uh, if I had to choose a side, I'd probably back the dog just because it is Northwestern. Northwestern is coming off a bye uh, last week while UNLV suffered a demoralizing loss. But you mentioned the Wildcats' struggles in this role. Last year, they laid more than 14 three times. They lost outright to Akron. I remember that game. I had a ticket on the zips. I did not have money line. Uh, but that was a game that Northwestern dominated for the first half and then completely fell asleep after halftime which is a concern here with Michigan State on deck. They also were laying 20 to, what was it, Illinois uh, last year? Or they laying 16 to Illinois and uh, won that game by two. There was another game they were laying 20 and won that game by three or four. So it's not like Pat Fitzgerald is a coach who are very comfortable laying points like this was, even though power rating differential says that Northwestern's got to be a three-score favorite in this one. Interesting game on Saturday night. Oklahoma State, minus 14, total of 65 at Tulsa. I'm telling you, Tulsa gave Sparty all kinds of troubles week one. 
They went to San Jose last week and dominated. Can the Tulsa Golden Hurricanes give the mighty Cowboys a battle? In-state rivalry, but it's a one-way in-state rivalry. Tulsa, more interested in Oklahoma State than the other way around. Yeah, I think the game changed just a few hours ago. Uh, you know, for those that don't know, Oklahoma State Cowboys play in Boone Pickin Stadium. He was by far their biggest uh, uh, their biggest donator. Him passing away this week, I think, really rallies. Him passing away today, this morning, really yeah. is going to rally Oklahoma State. I think it's a situation where Zach Smith, the transfer, has played great for Tulsa. I love the way Spencer Sanders is playing. I think there's going to be a lot of scoring, but I think we're going to see a very, very focused Mike Gundy and Oklahoma State Cowboys team. And that's an interesting question. Real quick, Ralph, because my opinion, a lot of that, especially when we talk about college kids, do the guys on Oklahoma State really know anything about T. Boone Pickens? Do they care one iota that some old boiled billionaire just died? I know they gave, you know, they gave money to the program, but is that really going to affect them on the field? Do you think that? I think it does for Oregon. I think it does for Oklahoma State because both of those people are very involved with the football programs. I mean, because you're playing in Boone Pickens stadiums, I think, yes, it does in this rare instance. Yeah, his name's on the stadium. I'm still not convinced that the team that's on that field is going to care all that much. I mean, you know, an old guy died. It matters. is the place to win millions in daily fantasy. You can get the best DFS NFL coverage all season long for a price of $129.99 or dominate the entire daily fantasy sports realm with the Elite Package at $59.99 per month. If you use the promo code FNTSY, you get 10% off your Daily Roto Package. Go to DailyRoto.com, pick your NFL or Elite Package, enter promo code FNTSY, and you'll be on your way to becoming the next Daily Roto Millionaire. Welcome back to the stretch of major talk. We like to call this segment Betting 101, where Ralph and I will give you whatever the topic is, a brief assessment on what we do in Vegas and what the professional bettors that we know pay attention to. And today I want to talk about teasers. Basically, I want to talk about basic strategy for teasers. And the basic strategy is real simple. You want to capture three, four, six, and seven. Now, a teaser, Ralph, why don't I, let's start with this. What's a teaser and what is the deal with six-point teasers for the NFL? Why do the wise guys like this particular bet so much? Well, again, the NFL basically sharps or, or pros that do it are only going to bet NFL teasers. The reason the NFL is a league of parity, we talk top to bottom. Yes, New England may set the bar. Miami may set the bar. But you're talking parity. And you're adding six points to the line to your favor, but you have to do it in two, three, or four games, how many ever you want, at least two games. So both have to win. And basically, when you're betting a two-team six-point teaser, you're getting a paid about the same as one single bet. Exactly. So the concept, again, you capture those key numbers with the six points that you're getting. So when you're getting a dog of lower than a field goal, an underdog plus two and a half, plus two, plus one and a half, you tease those up over a touchdown. So dogs of lower than a field goal up to more than a touchdown, and exact opposite with favorites. Favorites of more than a touchdown, you're seven and a half, minus eight, minus eight and a half, minus nine. You tease them down. 
to lower than a field goal. Minus two and a half, minus two, minus one. That's how you capture all the key numbers. The dogs, the little dogs, you tease them up. The bigger favorites, you tease them down. That's basic strategy for teasers. That's what every wise guy that I know here in Vegas does when it comes to six-point NFL teasers and year in, year out. That has proved to be a profitable strategy. Would you agree, Ralph? Yep. One thing I want to add, Teddy, when the totals are 47 or higher, the teaser win percentage is 21.4. With the totals 42 or lower, it goes to 17.8. The difference taking a high-scoring game or teasing a lower-scoring totals game where you're expecting very few points. It makes a ton of sense. Teasers worth more in the lower totaled games. That's an ex- Couldn't catch the live show? Yes. Make sure to download our podcast at the FNTSY Sports Network Audio Boom channel. Oh, super.